Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. My guest this week is Merlin Mann. Welcome back, Merlin. Hi, Brett. How are you? I normally give like a paragraph intro, uh, like a couple sentences about what people do after I say their name. Mm, if only I did things. How, 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 how would you if, if people didn't already know who you were? Um, I would say that I do a handful of podcasts most yeah. weeks. Yeah, that, that yeah. Is, that's I used, what I used you do to write days. things. I used to do speaking stuff, and now I mostly do podcasts and take care of a cat and pick my daughter up from school. It's actually uh, worked out pretty good. Yeah, that that doesn't sound like a horrible uh, life. I was showing her pictures of uh, my daughter. I was showing her pictures of Sad Emma this morning. Oh, you know so what happened, cute. right? No. Oh, Sad Emma died. Holy shit. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I had no idea. Oh no, that's really sad. It was just a couple weeks ago now. Oh, I, God, start this thing over. No. I had no, no idea. I'm kinda, so sorry. That's, it's not your job. I don't know how now. I missed that. Um, oh, what a sweetie pie. Because yeah. we, we have a, uh, a pit bull in the family who died a couple years ago that bears a striking resemblance to Yeah. Him. An old school red, an old family red nose red. Um, yeah, but like that weirdly human face and that giant nose looks so cute. Yeah, I'll tell you though, this has been so. I don't know if you also know that I got divorced last year. Hey, wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I knew that. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. So, so this has been the first. I took Emma when I when I left the home, and Emma was the first real dog that's been mostly mine since I was like six years old. And losing in your, her in your previous in your previous setup, if memory serves, a lot of dogs came in and out, and you did a lot of fostering, right? Right, you and your, your a lot. And yeah. we, and, you know, and we've had dogs pass away uh, as a couple. We've dealt with that, but this one, we both were dealing with it on our own, and oh, uh, and she was eleven. We'd had her her entire life, and uh, yeah. So this has been an interesting. I've learned a lot about grieving this time. Not bad. A lot of Not things bad. that I've never really paid attention to before, <laughs> like like how much it sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't go away. I mean, it just yeah, it's just inescapable. You know, the only the only way out is through. You just got to kind of like. I'm not giving you advice, but in my experience, like you, the more you push it away, you know, the yeah. worse it gets in some ways. And and this is maybe the first time in my life that I'm 100 not pushing it away. I'm. I'm going like straight through it and doing whatever I can to stay healthy, but I'm letting it happen. This is new for me and not being embarrassed about uh, it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's totally normal. Jeez, well, I'm, I'm glad I could really uh, bring things down for you, Brett. Yeah, this it, is uh, it's a, be nice. It's a good start. <laughs> yeah, usually we talk about Markdown. We're talking about dead dogs now. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, you know, this, uh, this whole systematic podcast is kind of designed to uh, – only ostensibly be a tech podcast so oh i think that's a good mcguffin anyway i'm i'm very sorry for your loss thank you mm. I, I have admired your dog for a long time thank you i remember i, I remember the first <laughs> first time i showed you a picture of her and you were like that's a pit bull i would i, see, I wouldn't, you, you I give wouldn't me, have you a give me stick about this I, I i worry about the pit bulls i'm sorry they worry me i have a little person it's, it's okay it's okay, yeah. but the fact that like over the years you you came to uh, to appreciate Emma, I think I've gotten I've gotten a real good attitude about dogs in general, and I think the dogs can tell. I think <laughs> I, I exude a humanity, a dogmanity, 
uh, about dogs that I think they appreciate and pick up on. I, I imagine that's true. I greet, I greet all dogs and, and I say, hey, buddy. I usually say, hey, buddy. I say, hey, buddy. Or sometimes I'll say, aren't you a sweet, precious angel? It varies. <laughs> and then I try not to make eye contact with the person who's holding the string. Do you just walk up and pet everyone's dog? No, no. Okay, no, good. I think that's that's a little aggressive. That's like when my lady was pregnant and like she'd be on the on public transit and people would come up and like just touch her tummy. Yeah. It's like yeah, that's, that's not okay. That's a violation right there. A dog is like a tummy. Like, don't do that. Yeah. It's presumptuous. <laughs> I heard something recently. I forget where I read this, but Somebody said something about like, oh, you know, uh, men are all feel so besieged these days and like, oh, poor men, they're having all these problems. And they're like, you know, oh, we can't even give a woman a compliment. And it's like, you know, don't compliment a woman who's a stranger. It's not really that nice. But if you do compliment them about something they have control over. Sure. Right. Right. I thought this was actually I don't know if this is true. I'm not a woman. I don't get compliments. But like I could see and I, and I, I have thought about this and I do deploy this sometimes. And I'll just say, I might say something like, um, and th- no, this will be like the 60-year-old lady at the bodega. And I'll go like, hey, your hair's new and different, and it's really cool. You could say that. I, you know? always, I think it's kind of like that with dogs. You can, you can and should admire all dogs, but like, don't make it about you. Yeah. No, I always compliment people on things they can control, and I never thought about that until just now. But like the first thing my brain picks a, up isn't on, that like a real cut to the cut to the core kind of way to think about it? Yeah, like like male or female. First thing my brain focuses on is almost always like uh, your tie matches your socks really well, or mm-hmm. I really like what you did with you know this accessorizing or your hair or hat. <laughs> instead of like the length of your arms is odd. <laughs> I I, I, will, I will use something like that when I want to throw somebody off. Um, which, oh, like which I do a lot. I do a lot less aggressively these days. That's oh, good. That's no, like I'm a, a horrible negotiator. I just do it to oh, yeah. just sheer enjoyment of throwing people off. Yeah, negotiations for me are like, how quickly can this be over? I feel like I'm in the principal's <laughs> office. Oh, just whatever. Yeah. You don't have to paint me. Oh, yeah, that's go. I just want to go home. <laughs> my philosophy. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's a good tip. I think you're helping people. <laughs> you too. Uh, <laughs> All right. So, I did you uh, did you get a video from Max? Oh, I surely did, and I uh, and I think I wrote back and I said, "Hey, look at those handsome guys." I'm sorry, that's something you can't control. You can't control that you're handsome. It was unkind of me to call you handsome. Also, what's the deal with your arms? No, I got a I got a video. My uh, friend Max Tempkin sent me a video of you guys. Yeah, he 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 he, he after he met me. Uh, he was excited. He's like, "Can we do uh, the uh, the Terpstra bit from uh-huh. the five Which five. is a little bit hurtful. I stopped doing it because she asked me to. Well, <laughs> see, that's where it got weird. It's like as soon as you were so like, "Oh yeah, fine, we won't do that anymore." And then immediately, I was like, "Wait, no, that was dumb of me." <laughs> I, the problem. The problem I should have been was flattered. and remains that Dan Benjamin and I. Are we're broken in different ways as people. <laughs> Anybody who's li- ever listened to the Back to Work program knows that we are very, very different in many ways. There's really only a few ways in which we are very similar. And one is that some words in the human language, not just your name, some <laughs> words in the human language are just funny and you have to say them in a certain way. Bulk bag. Right. Bulk bag. Yes. <laughs> Bulk bag is a funny word. You yeah. know, Terpstra. So anyway, I, I'm glad you sent me that. Now, now, did you, ever, did you, this is really inside baseball at this point. I do a podcast with Max and uh, another friend of mine named Alex. Now, are you are, you contacted Alex and she freaked out because she knows who you are. Did that get settled? 
Is everything all right? I, I believe it got settled when, like, she fi- she replied to me, uh, DM on Twitter, and mm-hmm. then I showed up. Uh, like, when I had first thought about contacting her, it was, I knew I was going to Chicago for Comic-Con, and I wanted to see if she was going to be around and come play a game of cards with us. Very low-key. Yeah, uh, just like me and Dave Chartier and uh, Dan Peterson from 1Password. Yeah, yeah. And and Alex, I was just going to invite Alex and her significant other, and uh, we were going to see that. And then I realized that she was at Comic-Con the whole time. Like, she was right. doing talks and running the room for everyone else. And, uh, like, they had the Cards Against Humanity had a whole room yeah. for the they whole big, thing. They had a big hot dog? Yeah. They had the That's really cool. It's yeah, okay they, to get in the big hot dog. They were very dominant. They had a very dominant presence at uh, mm-hmm. C2E2 in Chicago. They um, have a large brand. Yeah. It's gotten huge. It's You little... should so have Alex on this show. Oh, oh Alex we, is, we definitely Alex started is planning well that. Alex well-suited for this show in a way that almost no one is today. First of all, she's young, and she cares about computers, like, way too much. She really <laughs> cares. She would be so perfect for this. Yeah, no, we, 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 I went out for, uh, dinner with Max and Alex and a lot of the cards writers. And, uh, we, we sat and ordered a bunch of Chinese food that just kept coming. Mm. And, uh, and we definitely started making plans for, uh, for the, the Alex Cox appearance on Systematic. I love it. I love her. She's great. Have I said that? She's really, she is so much her own person and she surprises. Next to maybe John Syracuse, she is the most layers of an onion friend that I have. <laughs> I feel like I will never, I will never understand her, but I will never stop being fascinated by how she surprises me. That's funny because she said that to me, layers of an onion. Hmm. About you? I'm pretty sure it might have actually been Jesse uh, who said that to me. Someone was just constantly surprised that. I was uh, like, you know, at one point a plumber and <laughs> punk yeah. rocker, and so yeah, you were you were in like a what, like a like a punky ska band. Uh, you vaped. You do <laughs> yoga with gloves on. You have dogs and not have dogs. You got apps. You got my services. I live in your services, as you know. I mean, you really are. You there's a lot of layers to to your onion for sure. I yeah, I should write a pamphlet or a brochure. Mm. Is this ever, the show? Did you ever see? <laughs> Did you ever see um, uh, It's All Gone, Pete Tong? No. You you got to find that movie. You got to find it. It's about a DJ who goes deaf. Oh, gosh. But then it's a comedy. It's a straight up hilarious comedy. And he figures out a way to strap um, uh, flip flops to his speakers. (laughs) Oh. And use that to feel. It's hard to find, I think, now. Uh, I don't think it streams anywhere, but I have it on a, a. disc around here somewhere anyway so to one of the topics that that you listed earlier that you might be interested in talking about i'm kind of curious about your take on face id yeah yeah i i so you know in in preparing to to visit i just thought i'd think about some stuff that's been kind of on my mind and admittedly i I did talk about this recently on on another program but i don't know i i feel like um there are so many things where I always feel like I'm kind of in the wilderness about something where I, on the one hand, I have a lot of uh, access to, to people's opinions about something. And with so much access to people's opinions, when those opinions tend to really heavily go one way and they don't agree with your way, you feel a little crazy. Sure. And I guess I'm just sort of putting out some tentative feelers with my friends 
like, is anybody else feeling like Face ID is not as effective, fun, useful, and efficient as Touch ID? Because I really miss Touch ID. I am with you. That's my general. That's my general thought. This is at this point only with regard to the iPhone 10. But uh, I, all my, all my friends who who love Apple are just over the moon about how you stop even noticing Face ID because it works so well and so quickly. And that has not been my experience. Mine and either. I, really? Okay. Super there interesting. Are, there are definitely times where I'm like, oh, neat. Uh, mm-hmm. Like it, it just had a bunch of abbreviated notifications on my screen. And then as I looked at them, right, they, they showed up into full previews for me. Um, and there are a lot of times where if I am in the right position... I can just flip up to unlock my screen and it all happens instantaneously. But there are plenty of other yeah. times where I am not in the proper position. I'm laying down in bed or I'm okay, in my car me, trying to pay attention okay, to the yes. road. Ditto and ditto and ditto. And I, I talked about this on the show I do with John Sirkis, so uh, reconcilable differences. But like, I feel like I, I, you know how it works when you're doing this. And we're talking about dozens of times a day. Yeah. One unlocks one's phone. Um, and, you know, and he was saying, well, maybe, you know, you need to, maybe you're over exaggerating how you have to hold it. And I was like, well, that doesn't stand up to reason. I wouldn't be holding it that way if I had luck holding it where I think it should work, <laughs> which is about, I mean, I guess, I, I guess I, I want to hold it where I'm looking at it, right. which is at an angle, uh, 14 inches from my face and pointed roughly at my very large chin, but it sure doesn't work. I got to lift it up and hold it. This is, you know, this is true for one password. It's true for the logging in for everything. And, you know, and then on top of that, this is a separate issue, but like the whole, like how you do Apple pay now feels oh. so janky to me. And <laughs> the double click on the, the double click. And I, I feel like I, I, yeah. Just yeah. the fact that the, the UI has to have the big flashing text, <laughs> double click to confirm. And people continue to, to mash on the screen. Right. That's it means it's not have. intuitive. It's, yeah. I think, you know, an iPhone X, a 10, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's fine. Um, but like there's, and, and there are things like I've gotten used to like how to bring up the app switcher and stuff, even from the finder. I love stuff like being able to go back in apps from, not the finder, the springboard. I love that you don't have to go into an app to get to other apps, you know, just swipe yeah. at the bottom. I'm fine with all of that. But there's so much now, like this morning, Apropos of nothing, I took a photo of my daughter when she, we were getting ready to leave for school. She was being funny. Um, and the main camera and the uh, other side camera both worked, but neither of them would show the image on screen while you were pointing at it. That's fine. Whatever that happens. And then I'm like, I do that thing I got to do once or twice a month. Where I'm like, I got to restart my phone. And I'm like, oh, God, remind <laughs> me, how do you restart your phone? If I squeeze like this... It, it, if I squeeze here, it starts Siri, and then it doesn't hear me. If, if I squeeze, squeeze like here, this, it takes it's a screenshot. screenshot. And if you hold it, it so calls many sc- the ambulance for you. Exactly. <laughs> don't hold it. Don't pump too hard, or you're going to have 911. And, uh, and so finally, I just did the, the only one I know, which is like, if you hold it long enough, it asks you if you want to turn it off. Right. You can't do like the thing I used to do. Hard reboot. Superstitiously, yeah, I would always do two hard reboots. Yeah. Would be my trick. Anytime something went wrong, I don't know where I heard this. I mean, this, the two but... is crazy, but yeah, hard reboot. Well, you do hard reboot till the Apple comes up. You keep holding till the Apple comes up again, and you've done a good hard flush at that point. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, you know, I, 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 this is on the one hand not to say 
bad on you for liking Face ID, people. I'm glad you do. It is partly to say, do you really like it that much? Do you really think it's that much better than Touch ID? Because uh, I have two, I currently use two iPads with Touch ID and the one phone with Face ID. And I go through a series of futile gestures every morning involving checking for system updates and updating all the apps because I'm a weirdo. I'm just here to tell you, man, it is so much faster to do with the Touch ID for me. Yeah. L- let alone the whole, like, I can unlock it as it's coming out of my pocket. Right. You know what I mean? So uh, I do like the lack of the home button. Like you, I've gotten very used to the gestures. And yeah. I, th- I think it's the not too bad. You got to really make yourself great. learn it. But once you make yourself learn it, it, it took makes me sense. a day. It took me a day to get completely used to these gestures. I find them quite including intuitive. including bringing up the app switcher from the. Yeah. Um, OK, because you got to do this weird like J gesture and hold it a little bit. What? No, you just. Yeah, you just swipe up from the bottom and then hold it from just about mm-hmm. anywhere. All right. Works fine for me. Um, but but I yeah, I. That's the problem, though, is I like this full screen, no home button. So there's no place for Apple's old version of Touch ID to work. Uh, There were some Android phones that had a touch sensor on the back for fingerprint for like biometric unlock. Mm -hmm. That that maybe would work for me. But then you need like special cases and everything. And it also just doesn't seem like the kind of interface Apple would be willing to uh, (laughs) publish. Oh, I totally agree. I, I think in some ways it is, I haven't thought this through, but in some ways I think it's a philosophical difference in what unlocking means, right? So I, I think really for the garden variety user, somebody who came to the Apple ecosystem today, started with an iPhone 10, it's going to feel kind of like magic. It's pretty great because like on Android, most people are going beep, boop, 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 boop on their screen every time they got to do anything. That's fine. But in this case, like, yeah, it, it is it is pretty good if you're a casual user who just wants to get into the little screen where your apps are. That's fine. But there's also something about the intentionality of Touch ID that I actually really do like. Like it is meaningful when you get a pop up and you're going to do Apple Pay, for example, it is meaningful. It says, now go in little, you get that wonderful little graphic of the like pulsing fingerprint boy. And then, you know, I need to touch here and it does it. I don't have to do anything. The phone doesn't jiggle. It doesn't do anything weird, but it is very intentional. It's intentional. When I open one password, it's locked. If I want to unlock it, I need to put my finger here and intentionally do that, which again is not to say that you're going to unintentionally do this because maybe this is a personal device. It's just I think there's a difference between unlock my phone to do stuff versus like I'm now entering a state where I'm doing something prayerful that involves encryption. And I, I kind of like that distinction. And in addition to that distinction, I genuinely feel like it is faster. I've had this thing, whatever, since it came out. I, I do really I do prefer the, the touch part. I buy a lot of stuff using Apple Pay and I'm in one password like so much. And I see the one password and I get that little like weird, like squared off face. He's like, ah, you're holding it wrong. And I go, oh, hold it up. And <laughs> I guess I'm sorry that you're in the same boat, but. Well, I, oh, I get I get what you're saying. I, I, I hadn't actually thought about the intentionality factor. Um, that part hasn't bothered me so much. Yeah, it's philosophical. It's, it's just there are so many times that I have to hold it up twice. Uh, yes. enough to really kind of mess up my flow. Whereas with Touch ID, I always, I knew how to pick up my phone such that it would be unlocked when I needed it. Um, you know, like with my thumb on the... Right. And again, leaving out the fact that you've now lost the ability to have your partner 
be right. able to do it with their finger without having to have them know your code. Right. I don't think people should know your code. No. I mean, that's that's just that's odd. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, you recall that when Touch ID came out, they had the old sensors and the old guts, and it was cute, but it wasn't awesome. Right. And then in like maybe this first or second revision, like it actually got pretty awesome and remains, in my opinion, pretty awesome. If they could make it this is an obvious question, I suppose. If and when they make it faster and or they make it so that you can do it from different positions easier, do you think you'll like it more? The the face ID, you mean? Yes. I'm not sure. Um, I I I think so, yes. My my hesitation comes, I guess, from, uh, have you seen the commercial, the Touch ID commercial where the girl's walking through her school? Oh, it was a terrible commercial. It was. And also, like, isn't they, they the have whole a terrible ID... habit. These tech companies have a terrible habit. Amazon does this all the time. They have a terrible habit of saying, imagine that the most objectionable part of our service was everywhere. <laughs> Think how horrible that would be. <laughs> imagine if you looked well, at something and it unlocked. Ah! Right. But then her is the the whole point is that your face unlocks your stuff and no one else's and no one else's face unlocks your stuff yeah so all of a sudden she unlocks her phone and then she's walking through the school opening everybody's lockers uh everybody's doors like that it's completely uh counter to the actual yes. point of well it's like ID. somebody read the first third of the King Midas story. Like <laughs> imagine there's a guy and he can touch anything and it turns into gold. And you're like, oh, that sounds pretty baller. Yep, I could use it. me some gold. But then his daughter dies because of his gold hands. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I think, I, I think that it probably almost certainly must will get, get better, but it, I don't know. I think, you know, I have to say it's not even the speed, it's the angle. The frustrating part is I think it gets me wrong because who talked about I think Felix maybe Serenity talked about this. Somebody talked about this, that in their extensive testing of face ID and trying different things, there are certain things that really screw it up. And I can speak for myself here. My gut is that it relies on stuff like your full face, including, I think, very importantly, your brow line. Yeah. The depth of your eyes and your brow line. I think that's what's messing it up is it's seeing my chin and part of my nose and it's not getting enough data. And it wants to say, okay, no, 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 bring it up here. And if you got a hat on, like it's going to be confused sometimes. And so I went and I redid it. I've redone it twice thinking like, oh, I'll try and do this more generously. Uh-uh-uh. You, you have to, when you redo it, it forces you to do it in the way that it wants to see. So to me, it's not even really, it's not, the speed is secondary to the angle part, I think it would be fat. It would necessarily be faster if the angle was easier. I think that's where I get hung up. Yeah, I so I put on glasses this morning for the first time since I got my iPhone 10, mm -hmm. um, which is you know months. And uh, this was like I woke up and my contacts when I put them in were itchy, so I was like, I better wear glasses today. It had no problem with my glasses. I've had it actually work fine while I had a hat and a scarf on. Mm -hmm. So I assumed it was mostly using my eyes and brow. But then there have been times with like sunglasses on that as long as I can see the rest, I feel like it actually averages out all the different uh, uh, recognition points on the face pretty well to work with whatever it has available. That maybe there's an overabundance of caution to where I like, would hope you so. Know, <laughs> 
like let's say arbitrarily just for the sake of i know it's way more than this but let's say like we need we need a hundred points of match in order for this to 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 go um and so like it would prefer the hundred but like it'll let you slide by with 80 something like that you know what i mean like just arbitrarily yeah well and i think with the machine learning that it it uses over time it becomes uh higher confidence in those uh, 80 i guess i i uh i snore i'm told by my family and so i try really hard every night to remember to sleep on my side and put on a breathe right strip which helps a little bit sure. and i'm just here to tell you it has never ever unlocked while i have a breathe right strip on not not a deal huh. killer but an interesting data point that it's is, just a little actually. piece of fabric on my nose yeah but it, it, it's until I go and I tear it off, it will not recognize me. Weird. I type it okay. in with my fingers like an animal. That surprises me. Yeah. Also, it yeah, sucks I don't know. once I mean, you're using like six character or six, six digit pin numbers and everything. Yeah, I, I should probably put in a full password. I, I got very close to going on with a full on like real password. Yeah. Um, but honestly, once I got face ID, I was like, no, no, no. I got to do the <laughs> dip, 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 dip. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> I get too that. much. But, you know, I mean, on the other hand, let's let's give them credit. This is very clever. I have to say one of the reasons I ended up picking this up, I had a, I was very happy with my my giant, giant previous phone that I had. Uh, I got this primarily because I was real curious about how this would work, the combination of Face ID and not having a button. And it's it's a good phone. I don't I mean, I don't dislike it at all. I don't think it's as revolutionary as most of my friends seem to think. But I do give full points for pushing the envelope. I'm glad they're trying new stuff. I mean, that's. If there's anything that's made me a little bit blasé about the Apple ecosystem, it's that they – I'm not sure what – again, to, to quote Syracuse, if there's wood behind the arrow in their efforts, it's difficult for me to tell where that is right now. Sure. It's, it's it's hard for me to see. Like, are they really that excited about making TV shows? Are they, are they really that excited about the Mac? I mean, clearly they need to sell iOS devices. But like, you know, you still have mail.app. It's like there's just all this stuff where you're like, like, what what is the thing that has the huge mandate for success right now? iCloud has gotten way better. Absolutely. It Again, has. full points there. Um, to where like that feels much more stable to me. Um it's still not as manageable as Dropbox. It's still not as balls out dependable and collaborative as Dropbox. It's nowhere near Dropbox in terms of like actual usability. But the, the handful of things I put in there sync up. I put a PDF in there, it goes different places. That's cool. And for things like Solver, that works great. You know, yeah. I, I love that app. And the built-in iCloud ability with that has been pretty flawless uh, for me. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. But I'm glad they're trying stuff. I mean, that's what makes Apple Apple is that they are trying to see where the puck is going, as they say. So I, I still admire that. They usually, historically, have always had a little more control over, like, the... the uh, the wondering where the puck is going has usually happened behind closed doors. And when they come out, they tell us where the puck is going. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing less of that these days. More public wondering, is this well, right? Well, there's, 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 a, there's a piece of public Kremlinology that I've tended to poo-poo because it seemed too on the nose. But in applying Occam's razor, I think there's one pattern that feels like it could be very true, which is that Apple <clears throat> is currently led by an extremely competent operations guy. And when you're in operations, um, you know, being aggressively futuristic is not your top goal. Having things be dependable and profitable and scalable, I think, is what makes you a good operations person. So, I mean, it's certainly within their power to be constantly putting out 
not constantly, but on a regular schedule, a regular like knowable schedule that makes IT departments happy, hint, hint, you certainly could be doing stuff that is pushing into the future with improved components, um, more, uh, again, something that Fraser Spears talks about a lot, but the fact that, you know, the way that you manage multiple devices in an organization, Google's got just let, left them in the dust. Like yeah. the people who want to buy things for schools and enterprises are increasingly using Google things because it really works and it scales up. They could be pushing that stuff out more often, but they don't. They keep old parts in it because it's less expensive, you know? Yeah. And th so, you know, it's, it feels like we're in approximately about year five of going like, okay, where are we going? Like, what should we really be getting excited about? What makes, what makes this the kind of thing you want to have your kids start using? My daughter way prefers her Chromebook to using my, my uh, MacBook. I just can't like, so for me, my first thought is always, could I develop on another platform? Sure. And I really, I can't like, yeah. I mean, not that like I can't learn another language. It's, there's no other platform that makes me as happy to work on yes. as Mac and to some extent iOS. So I guess my, my biggest concern with seeing Apple, in my opinion, flailing is what are my alternatives? Well, I think I, I totally agree with you. And I think a somewhat analogous situation exists with Facebook, where I have oh, been yes. off of Facebook. So basically what I did was uh, over 10 years, mm, what was it, 2010? So eight years ago was when I did the hardest hard stop with Facebook. Um, at one point, I deactivated my account for, I think, a couple years. Because we're talking 10 years ago, I thought this was a garbage fire and was thought it was a terrifying company. Um, but at one point, you know, more and more people for a while were using Facebook for OAuth. That was the the sole right. way to get into some apps was by using Facebook. And so I still had to use it in in that way. But my point being that, like, you know, this is a pretty hot topic in the last couple of weeks is like, you know, what is Facebook doing with your stuff? Can they be trusted? Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, for me, it's it's hilarious to, to quote Will Ferrell. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Like when I see people who are still on Facebook and they're like, Meh, I really hate Facebook, but I have to be there. Again, I get that. If 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 you have like a breast cancer survivor community or again, Serenity with her, her roller derby team or who, whatever it is, this may be the only place you like your neighborhood association is there and you have to go there. I get this with school stuff where they have these garbage applications and services they use. And if you want to find out what's going on and participate and apply for things, you have to use their garbage app. That's it's kind of like that. With all of that said, this is where it comes back to the Apple for me. With all that said, I mean, how many people today who are in that minority of people who are not already on Facebook, people who are born every day, grow up to be 15 years old, how many people are excited about joining Facebook at this point? And in that, that, that to me becomes the question with Apple is how many people who are 15, 16 years old are excited about going balls deep in the Apple ecosystem. And I'm just going to speculate that that number is a great deal lower than it was, say, at the time the iPod came out. Do you think? I do, because I think in a, something like the iPod, uh, I don't have any numbers on this, but um, I'll bet you there's more than one senior thesis out there about how many people came into the Apple ecosystem from Windows or nothing because of the iPod. I feel like they the iPhone an... still has some of that like high-end mystique to it as branding. Well, people, I, I, I would just speculate that people of a certain age who got an iPod probably ended up really wanting a Mac. Sure. So my question here would be like how many people who have an iPhone, um, what, want an Apple TV? 
That's fair. How many people who have bought an iPhone want an iPad? Because you already got the phone. How many people who have bought an iPhone and who are, this is their first phone, how many people now are like, oh man, I feel like I can't really get everything out of this unless I have a MacBook with that keyboard to go with it. I, you know what I mean? There's <laughs> yeah, not that no, same that's halo. Fair. That's fair. Yeah, I just that, that's all I mean is like when the iPod came out, everybody laughed and said, oh, that's so crazy. I'm going to keep, thanks, I'll keep my Diamond Rio or my Creative Jukebox. <laughs> but then pretty soon it got to be pretty, pretty great, pretty unimpeachably great as a product, even at that price bringing in a whole new generation or sub-generation of people who saw, oh, but if it can do this with music, what could it do with my work? Yeah. And so I just wonder right now, what's the gateway drug? Do people who buy iPhones end up buying other stuff? Sure. I mean, I, I don't doubt that that happens today. But taking away all of our hagiography about me having these, whatever, uh, 31 years on, a, on Macs and Apple products, for people who are, are new to this, like, what is it they're excited about? And then when they get that Apple TV, are they like, wow, this is even better than my iPhone? So I, I I don't want to spend too much longer on this, but I do have to ask you Please. what you think about. <laughs> so like if you take the iPod as an example, uh, it came out in a time MP3 players had been around. Uh, yeah, I know, got like, my first one in like 1999 and I, I owned probably four. I had two or three different uh, like Diamond, like Rio yeah. Pro, 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 uh, products. And then I had the, like I said, I made it, I joked about it. I had the creative jukebox, which I think weighed five pounds. It yeah, was the, about the was size the of a CD one, player. Right? The blue one, but yeah. it weighed, it was like 64 gigs, something like that. Yeah. And it, and it, and it, but it, it honestly weighed like four pounds. Yeah. I remember that we used to pass one around the office where I had my first job. Right. But similarly to the way that like, it wasn't like Apple invented the mobile phone. Most of us had owned three mobile phones or more by the time we got an iPhone. Right. So what they did was take a, a technology that had been established as something people wanted. And then they did it Apple style, which for people who bought into it was the better way to do it. Now they're looking, you know, like the uh, the HomePod, for example, they're jumping yeah. into an arena that maybe isn't a guaranteed market to begin with trying to do it better but doing it like they they didn't make something that could compete with uh like Sonos Play like the Play 1 uh, not on the price level and mm -hmm. Sonos Play 1 is going to be able to do AirPlay and Alexa and Spotify which I'm, I'm I'm new to Spotify but Spotify works with everything except my Apple products. Right. Where I can say I can I can I can say to a um my Amazon Echo, play it on um, Spotify. You know, well, I can, but I can be, I can say, "Hey, Dingus, play the Hamilton soundtrack in the master bedroom," and it'll play it on that Sonos. Yeah, right. Or, or I can do. I mean, again, just stuff. I have a theory about this in a sec, but like, there's just so much stuff, and I, I feel like I go on and on about this. But I'm so deep into the voice stuff and really loving it. But there's been so many additions to the Echo family just in the last couple months but you know a huge one was if you're like us and like we're a multi multi echo family they've added stuff like having um audio groups so yep. i can say play kqed upstairs and it plays on on six echoes i can also say things like uh there's the new thing this week which is have you seen announcements no so now you can say hey dingus announce that dinner is ready and your voice oh. it'll parse it'll parse out just the part that says dinner's ready and play it on every speaker in the house oh my god 
Okay. Stuff like the the new resume part where you can choose to have it listen for five seconds after you're done talking so you don't have to rehail it. Like if you're adding multiple timers like I do, I, I, I can do that all in succession. I just right? discovered that yesterday, actually. Yeah. And so you have to set that. You have to say that you want it, but then it will do that. So and oh and oh and by the way, you can't have you can't have multiple voice timers on Apple things. Right. Okay, so this is absolutely where I wanted the conversation to go next anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, the voice control stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I bought the uh, Fire Stick. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was about six months after you were on this show and you were saying wonderful things about it. At that, at that time, uh, just for a little bit of history, I was looking over our previous sessions. We've done more of these than I remembered. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but at that time, Apple TV was kind of languishing. Yeah, kinda it really languishing. was. It was... If, if memory serves, that was the time where Fire TV was wh- where I did everything except what I needed the Apple TV for, which in that case was watching the mini movies and TV shows. But it was so much faster in every measurable way, starting with how long it takes to turn on or wake. Right. All the way down to how quickly it executes on a command. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I have loved my current version of the Apple TV. Um, you know, It's like pretty good. It's, it's all right. I use it primarily. Uh, and it's now got, that it it's has got so many problems, but it's, it is better now that it has Amazon Prime mm-hmm. as an app, an I, ugly, ugly, difficult app. But it's, I find the, the fire stick <laughs> ugly and difficult overall. So this isn't a surprise. Yeah, Amazon's interface in general is pretty garbage. It's, yeah. I mean, Roku is better. Amazon's OK. But like getting around is is not fun. It, you really feel like you're using like SMBC or something. You feel like you're using like an open source media management app from 10 years ago. But I I do enjoy Apple TV in that regard. But uh, after getting the the stick with the uh, we're going to say dingus because I actually have a dot sitting next to me. I think it's easiest just to say echo, echo integration. With the echo uh, remote. uh, I then picked up a couple more uh, dots I now like this house currently has three dots and the stick in it, and I am really falling in love with Echo. Mm-hmm. Um, the it, it multiple while, timers it, in the kitchen. Yes, it pay. It really does pay you back for using it a little bit, yeah. and it always hears what you said and knows what to do. Full stop. Yeah, you could have a mouthful of marbles, and it still weirdly knows that you want to have a chicken timer for twenty minutes. Yes. I love the chicken timer for 20 minutes. And then, well, I do this thing called 21 minute chicken, which is the easiest chicken recipe in the world. Write this down, everybody. It's the easiest chicken recipe. You take a pan, you heat it up. You're going to put in your chicken breast or whatever, boneless chicken for one minute to sear a little bit. Right now, on a medium low, you're going to, uh, or about a medium setting, you cover it for 10 minutes. And then after those 10 minutes are up, you turn the oven, turn the range off, and it just sits there. And it's bulletproof chicken. So here's what I do. I walk up and I go, set a chicken sear timer for one minute. Set a uh, turn off chicken timer for 11 minutes. Set a remove chicken timer for 21 minutes. Boom, boom, boom. Now I got three timers. Yeah. That's, that's it. You're done. Beautiful. So that's working out for you. What other kind of stuff are you using it for? <sighs> a lot of, well, I use it with Spotify a ton. Do you have it hooked up to like a Sonos or similar? I do not. Um, I actually have it hooked up to over Bluetooth to a nice uh, like uh, digital audio converter and Philips speakers that I use. Um, have you seen the Rock Rock? No, I don't think I have. It's a little $20 Bluetooth um, 
device that it's it's just it's about the size of um i i don't even know what to go oh my it's god it's a literal rock no are you looking at the right thing is it r-o-c-k it's i think it's r-o-k-r-o-c-k it's rock uh, rock okay. um <laughs> i thought some bluetooth speakers that look like rock no no <laughs> No, this is a little rectangular thing that would fit in your wallet, and it can be set to either be a transmitter or a receiver, and then you plug audio into it or speakers into it. And oh, please put that in notes. I want to see that. Yeah. Um, it, I can hook that up to basically anything that takes a quarter-inch audio source. Okay. I mean, I'm sorry, eighth-inch audio source. Or, right, right, you know, right. With yeah. adapter. Mini. Yeah. And uh, then I can have my echo connect to that speaker and once you've paired it then you can just say connect my speakers and you know each, does it still each, do that thing though where when it disconnects it makes a voice announcement i have not had that happen at all no oh that's why i stopped using it for a bluetooth speaker years ago um you know phone number one has been disconnected or something I, like I that i have never heard her say that um i should do that more <laughs> but you but you're living the dream because those dots they work just as well as the other ones they don't they have do. the best sound but no. they work just as well as the other ones and yep. like you could hook it up to whatever yeah i do a sonos play is on my list and i will absolutely buy those play one speakers multiples before i'll get a home pod i'm curious about the home pod but not so curious that i would spend twice as much Oh yeah! Oh for, yeah! For absolutely. integration with someone that won't play my music on Spotify. I mean, that's a huge selling point for me. I love Spotify. What's the one I like? Oh my god, there's so many. Um, Echo Echo Spot. If I were going to recommend one, if you're only going to get one Echo to try, I think the Echo Spot is really good. What that's a little round spot? one. It looks kind of like an alarm clock. Oh, um, it has a display though. Right. It has a display. I've got a sticker over the camera because I'm a weirdo. Sure, no, but, I get that. But um, but I the Echo Spot, which I have, <laughs> um, that one works very well. It actually hears better than the Echo Show does, in my experience. But um, oh, did you also get the other one? As long as we're talking about tips here, did you see the other edition from the last month? Most of this is courtesy of Joe Rosenstiel, who's great about retweeting interesting uh, developments in the Amazon ecosystem. Um. Have you done brief mode? No. Oh, wait. <laughs> like, I've done newsflash. Is that different? What is brief so there's, mode? So if you go to settings and then go to Alexa voice responses, which is a new area. Alexa, stop! <laughs> um, there's something in there called brief mode. And so, you know, ordinarily you'd say, hey, dingus, uh, turn off the master lights. And it goes, oh, turning off lights or whatever. And now you know what? For anything where it doesn't need to give you a significant like we're we're, we're you, you're not requesting that it speak to you essentially yeah. it just goes boop boop nice so it's i i have all of the like make a beep when you turn on stuff i have all of that turned off but basically at night i'm getting ready to watch tv i can say uh hey ding turn off the lounge lights and just goes boop boop nice i like that they're always adding this stuff let me let me just quickly slip in this theory and see what you think of it i mean i i think Computers writ large, computers as a thing that one gets to do things, I think it's becoming somewhat, not indisputable, but it's becoming clearer that we don't think about stuff in terms of being a computer user anymore. I think you could even argue that people don't increasingly don't think of themselves as Apple users. It's just not, that's not how people think anymore. I think something funny has happened in the same way 
that Netflix and its ilk have they've changed the landscape of entertainment so much more quickly than I imagined. And I feel like my brain is still catching up with how Netflix in particular has changed the way we think about TV viewing in a way that is utterly disruptive and whose effects we're going to be seeing for years. I feel like a similar thing has happened with a lot of what you might call cloud services writ large, but just, but think about like, for example, so I've got, I mean, like, for example, if I wanted to watch Netflix, I could watch Netflix on my iOS devices I could watch Netflix using my Apple TV with my TV. I could use an Amazon Stick. I could use an Amazon Fire. I can watch it on PlayStation, or I can watch Netflix using the built-in apps on my TV. Now, here's a funny thing. There are a number of ways in which using the apps for my LG TV are better, easier, and more effective than using my Apple TV. One very important example is because Apple is adamant about what codec should be used for 4K video. I get 4K video from YouTube on my TV's app, but not from Apple. It also is like one-stop shopping. The only app that does not work the way I want it to on my TV's app, my LG, the built-in LG apps, obviously I can't get Apple content. And for some reason, they don't have the version of the Hulu app that lets you do DVR stuff. They, they have not updated. Whoever makes that has not updated that. But apart from that, I can do almost everything my Apple TV does that I need to do for TV stuff from there. My point is this. I mean, we had an Airbnb over the summer where we discovered after a day or two that there was a, a Blu-ray player. We knew they had a bunch of like DVDs. We're like, this is weird. Oh my God, they have a Blu-ray player. I didn't even realize that. Let's watch one of these terrible DVDs they've got. We flipped it on and guess what? It ran Netflix. It ran Hulu. <laughs> in this little weird Airbnb in Massachusetts, they had all of this stuff hiding away on this like $60 Blu-ray player. <laughs> so if your goal is to watch Wild Wild Country or your goal is to watch, you know, whatever it is on Netflix, you can watch that on anything. You can watch that on a little like what? Like I don't even know how cheap the Amazon tablets get anymore. Like the computerness of that has become much less important then like just it's a way of it's a conduit for that information yeah. to make a bespoke Apple app at this point or a bespoke iOS app is useful for the people who are in that ecosystem. But like the rest of the world has moved on to like a whole other place. I mean, where, where Dropbox and Netflix and Google Docs and Google Sheets, all of those things, that's how they think. I think increasingly people outside of my bubble think about that's how I work. I go wherever the Google Sheets is. Like yeah. I don't, I don't need a Mac Pro for that. Whatever, whatever it is, I could go to the library and use that. And I, I think that that, as with Netflix, this theory is very woolly. But you see where I'm going with. I think, <laughs> yes. Like it's, I don't think people start by saying which computer appliance should I get, and then what apps are available for that. There's a world of services out there, and I think this is pe people like. Who was it? Ben Thompson, I think, have talked about this a lot in China, where like well, so much of it comes through on whatever, whatever. There's one app that runs a lot of your life in China, and you can get it on any phone. And so people don't anymore think about. I mean, unless you're looking for some kind of like well, a yeah, so way you, to show you, off your wealth. You have like a list of these are the apps that my life runs on. So when you're looking at a, a device, instead of who made it, what's the uh, what's the sub system on it you're just looking to see will it run this this the, and thi this. the thing that i like to use so right. i mean do you do you accept just you know 
kind of provisionally that that is potentially a point of view is that the services become very important and the kind of device that it's running on for largely consumption may be less important. Kind, I mean, isn't that kind 100%, of an acceptable? 100%, 100%. Okay, so now let's get back to brass tacks. This very, very nice uh, iMac, 4K Retina iMac that I'm on right now, which is one of the nicer computers I've ever had and has been very dependable for the whatever year and a half that I've had it. It's great. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, how do I turn off on and off my daughter's rock tumbler using my Mac? Your daughter has a rock. Okay. That's another conversation. She so but has a rock tumbler I and it's really, sleep. really loud. And guess what? It's on HomeKit. <laughs> but guess, guess what? Again, there's no HomeKit on my Mac. I have to pull up my phone to do that. Right. Something I do many, many times. My wife and I both do. My wife and I, my wife, my daughter and I are the only three people who, who, for whom we share our location and find friends, and we use it extensively. I don't have to ask my wife to ping me when she's leaving work so I can start dinner. I know, because I get an alert. And I say, hey, Dingus, let me know when my wife leaves work. And I say that into um, iOS. How do I do that on my Mac? Can't do it on your Mac. You can see where she is. Just go over here, click on that little bullet list, and it, it brings up, like, I can find it. But I cannot initiate or change that. I have to use an iOS device. I mean, I'm just kind of just at the tip of the iceberg, but this is like the most powerful computer I've ever owned. Right. But it does, it ends up doing a lot less of these services stuff that I can easily do by just talking into my pocket computer. Well, and every time they make a move to try to consolidate the operating systems, it causes more trouble than, than uh, productivity it adds. It feels ported, you know? Yes. Or it feels like you have to give up a lot to get something new. And now there are people out there, there are like the Federicos and Jason Snells of the world that are like running Raspberry Pi so that they can add things to their home kit. <laughs> yeah. It's like, is that the dream Is that the dream of Tim Cook is that people are, are installing Raspberry Pis to have a smart home? <laughs> right. So, I mean, my smart home is built around Insteon X10 and most recently Z-Wave devices. And I use them all at once. Through... And all, those are all industry standards. Sure, but none of them are directly HomeKit compatible. So I use them all through Indigo on a Mac Mini that sits in the basement, and that Mac Mini runs uh, HomeBridge, which then makes all of them available to Siri and my HomeKit system. It's This is not the way Apple envisioned it, but buying HomeKit-compatible hardware comes with both, both additional costs and lowered flexibility. Yep. Yep. So yep. if I want and, and, anything and, that I currently do. So what what changed? I feel like what something happened was, first of all, HomeKit came out and you're like, oh, HomeKit, cool. Let me open it on my phone and use it. And they're like, mm, no, HomeKit is more of like a white paper that exists somewhere <laughs> in the ether that is a good idea. You can't really, there's not really an app for using that on your phone. Okay, uh, see ya. All right. Hey, you guys, guess what? HomeKit. Uh, now you can run this handful of things on it. Oh, well, why can't I run the Philips Hue stuff? Why can't I run this? Why can't I run this? you know, Wemo thing. It's like, oh, no, no, that stuff's not certified. They would have to go create. They had to make a new Philips Hue hub that was compatible right. with the privacy and encryption stuff that Apple required. I guess that got loosened up in the last little while. Is that accurate? Uh, yeah, supposedly, but I have not seen the fruits of that yet. Right. But I mean, at a time when if there's any Wild West in consumer tech right now, it's got to be smart home and IoT stuff. Yeah. It is so, it's so mental how much these are like little, little islands, you know? I mean, yeah. it would almost be like you want to change the font in your document and you have to get a different computer. It's like, shouldn't all these things work together? I mean, wouldn't that really be where it goes? But that's, 
that's kind of where it is. But like if Apple wants to own that, sp- I'm sorry, this is really going on. Uh, I, I hold out hope as an Apple fan of 30 some years that everything will go very well. But even as who said this, there's a podcast I really like called the watch. Um, and they were, they were kind of touching. It was about TV and they touched on the whole like Apple content thing. And they said this wonderful quote, one of the guys said, uh, so far Apple is best at press releases. And it kind of feels like they have this vision board where they go into this prayerful state and ring a gong and think about what the future looks like. And meanwhile, Alexa, I can't even keep up with I can't even keep up with the updates to the Echo family of products. And it just keeps getting better. I feel so, like, like I, I feel like not a lot of gongs have run since Steve passed. Well, I don't know. I, I hold out the people, same People hope. are walking into walls, Brett. I mean, it's not good. <laughs> All right. So uh, as a closer, before we go to top three picks, I did want to retouch because you specifically mentioned Spotify in topics you're interested in right now. I wanted to tell you, I have been using Spotify for, oh, I don't even know, like a decade now. Wow. Since it was a very new service. No kidding. And I, the the leaps and bounds that they made uh, as far as functionality goes um, after Apple Music was announced. Oh, you think that directly had an impact? I don't know. Like it, it was so well-timed that it seemed like they must have had a lot of stuff in the pipeline before Apple Music even became a dot on the radar. But at the time when I signed up for Apple music, which I'm still, I still use both services. Mm-hmm. Spotify expanded with these uh, like smart uh, daily playlists based on stuff that I listen to. Uh, like I, every day I get like a hip hop playlist. I get a metal playlist. I get a playlist <laughs> that includes like PJ Harvey and, uh, uh, you feel like it's pretty good, pretty good at knowing what you like. Really good. And really yeah. good at separating things into a playlist that one might not instantly put together, but intuitively they go together in a playlist. And every day it's a, a varied playlist. And then the weekly discover playlist for me, I find new music every week. It has never been easier for me to find a new band I love. Spotify you- rocks this. Do you, I mean, so like I'm still getting used to this. I've been using it for about a month or so. And like I mentioned in, in the notes, like I, I've been real impressed with lots of stuff about Spotify. I, I had been on Spotify a few years ago. I just thought it was ugly and weird. And Apple Music made more sense to me at the time. Long story short. So like, for example, when you, when you, how, tell me how to use Spotify. So when you're using Spotify and you go find uh, PJ Harvey's Dry, do you then click to like add that? Do you like save that? I, how does it how does it get good apart from just listening a lot? How does it get good at knowing what you like? You can, how do I feed it more data? So if it depends on whether the song comes up in radio or if you actually search for it. Um yeah, I add a lot of stuff. I click the plus button and save a lot of songs and that does increase as far as the algorithm is concerned. Okay. Um but if you're listening to radio and you heart stuff it, it will, adjust, much like Pandora used to, right? Thumbs up, changes mm-hmm. the radio station. Um, so that works. But really, it seems to be entirely based around what do you play the most? Okay. It also keeps track of what you skip. If you well, start to, if a song comes on and you skip it 
and you do that every time that song comes on, it's going to automatically assume you don't want to hear that song. Okay. Um, okay. There are songs that I love, but have heard so many times that I still I skip occasionally. Well, yeah, it's like there's there's the part of you. It's sort of like the whole way that we rate music, where like we tend to. I feel like I tend to rate music based on something almost like nostalgia. Sure. It's like, oh, I, I liked that song a long time ago. But like, if you skip it, if you end up skipping it every time, like that's really that's a very that's a very interesting thing. It, it already knows that like I it really knows that I like like uh, Cheap Trick and Big Star. And when I first got into <laughs> it, I, I was going and finding lots of power pop playlists, and so it knows that I like that stuff a lot. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, but like Sunday I was just sitting around laying around and just listening, just thinking of music to play. And I went in and like, I found like, you know, <laughs> that not only they make a distinction between seventies soft rock and seventies yacht rock with things like <laughs> hollow notes being, you know, in the middle area. But like, if you want to go listen to player and steely Dan and like all these terrible bands that I really liked when I was a kid, uh, it, it's all in there. The playlists are great. And the fact that they're crowdsourced from all these different people, like there's so much to find in here. I it really, also, it really, and then it just plays on anything back to, you know, what we're talking about. It just right. plays wherever. I also love the social aspect of Spotify. There was a, uh, a period in which, it was because Apple had, I forget what it was called, but for a while they had something in iTunes. It was like a ping. social, yeah, ping. It it didn't work for me. I didn't, like it never clicked. Uh, but Spotify's very minimal, like over the sidebar when you're on like one of the like desktop apps, there's a sidebar that just tells you what any one of your friends is listening to at that moment. And there's this live... Um, urgency to it like they're hearing mm -hmm. this right now if you click this you can listen to the same song as this friend you haven't talked to in five years and there's wow. like it gives there is a nostalgic connection to it um sure i i enjoyed that i enjoy the last fm integration because then i use last fm to figure out like how musical tastes have changed over the last couple of years and at the end of a year of using spotify you'll get like a a year and rewind playlist that will basically con con conglomerate all of your most played songs for the year. Interesting. And it is like my 2015, 16, 17, and 18 playlists I, I go back to because they do very well encapsulate years for me. M music <laughs> music is a part of how I function. Uh, Do you remember those stores in the mall that were where they would sell organs. Did you have those when you were growing up? There organ would be like stores. a keyboard and organ store. You know what I'm talking about? No. Well, at least we had these in Florida and it would be like a <laughs> Yam not maybe not Yamaha, but like there would be somebody standing by the entrance playing an organ. And the idea was you come in and like, yeah, you get interested in buying an organ. Actually, a book I may recommend this week called book called Rules of Thumb says that the the trick of being um the guy playing an organ by the entrance is to suss out how old the person is and play something that would have been pretty popular and cool when they were 18. Think about that for a minute. That is a, a very advanced. That's a, isn't that a good heuristic? And the, Cause that's kind of what spot. And I guess doesn't Spotify do a thing where it's like, Oh yeah. Relive your high school years and it finds like music from when you were young. And like, at least in, on the Twitter that I see, everybody's like, Oh my God, they nailed me. Like I never would have picked this song, but Oh God, this is so a song that I liked when I was a kid. Yeah, they seem really smart about that. And that's one instance where having all of that data, 
you know, uh, like Facebook has all these like things where they say like, you know, if you, if they can find this many faves of something, they can tell you this much about your personality. By the time you get like to 10 faves, they know you better than your parents. <laughs> I think that's the one thing where find Spotify, like find more things that I would like, you know, Hakuna Matata, I'm into it. Which man leads us to a whole nother podcast talking about the, uh, privacy versus convenience. Uh, cause honest, like you take, apply that to advertising. Mm -hmm. I love having targeted ads. I love ads that know what I would actually care about, but at the same time, that's scary. Really, really, really scary. Um, to the point where I, I like, I like that it's got, I mean, I like that it's got people talking about something that only us tinfoil hat people have talked about for a while, which is like, well, what is the value to you out of what you're unintentionally giving away with these things man you know yeah i had and, to do a whole uh a whole flow chart to figure out if i was deleting my facebook account or not with that question at the center oh it's very it's very difficult to fully get their tendrils out but i mean in the case of like stuff like searching gmail like it knows me better than i know myself and i like that i mean that's for my email app i really like that a lot for for a place where like I don't know. I mean, the, the ad stuff is, is so creepy. And, you know, the it's you almost hmm, I'm not gonna say I feel bad for Mark Zuckerberg, but every answer to every question in his session with Congress recently should be, yeah, that's our business model. Our business model <laughs> is we learn as much as we can about you and then sell ads like it's. Yeah. OK, a quick break to thank Smile and Text Expander for sponsoring this episode of Systematic. Text Expander is Seriously, one of my all-time favorite utilities and something I use every single day. Text Expander multiplies your team's productivity by making up-to-date shared knowledge available instantly to everyone who needs it. Using Text Expander, all of your team's common responses are written and edited by your best writers and accessible and searchable through simple abbreviations and keyboard shortcuts by everyone on your team. They're available on multiple platforms, macOS, iOS, Windows, and web. And they're updated immediately everywhere whenever they're modified. If you're on a support or sales team, or if you're in legal, medical, or real estate, Text Expander will change your life, leaving you more time to focus on what you do best. Visit TextExpander/podcast for 20% off your first year. Thanks again to Smile and Text Expander. Okay, do you have time for uh, the top three picks? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. You're my whole day today. I got nothing. Oh, wow. That's very kind of you. No. So you you know the deal. Yeah, uh, I do. I, I always I got a bunch. I'm trying. I got a bunch. I grabbed here, but I'm trying not to just do technological things. <laughs> you I can do, do have. Uh, should, should, you I, should I do one? Can you I do know, one? Lately, people have been actually picking um, emotional states. <laughs> Oh, like uh, how about really, uh, const really constant? I'll, I'll pick constant anxiety. Oh, go for it, Alex. Go for no, it. No, um, I got an app. That, what is uh, Life of Bees? Um, <laughs> please go on. Hmm. Who told me about this? Probably Alex. I don't remember, but I've been playing with a new uh, productivity app. Not new to me. Productivity app and task manager called Tick Tick, and uh, I've been really enjoying it. It's it's an app that I had not even been aware of till the last couple months. Uh, and as with all these things, your mileage may vary, like figure out what you need to do, minimize the number of distractions. The, but the truth is for the last little while, 
really the last at least a year or so. I still use OmniFocus, but the way I've been referring to it is OmniFocus is mostly kind of read-only for me at this point. It's mostly where I put repeating tasks. It's so good at repeating tasks with yeah. a level of granularity. But the, the, the way that my life and my work are right now, I, I, I really haven't needed much more than task paper. So task paper is where I have done a lot of my day-to-day task stuff. Because I don't really need a huge superstructure. Like, I, do I do it at home? Do I do it at the office? Or do I do it somewhere else? That's pretty much the level of context that I need. Um, but TickTick is a very interesting app to me because I, I think it's worth looking at because I think they have learned a lot from all the other apps. They've, I feel like they've learned a lot. First of all, let me ask, have you looked at TickTick? I am looking it up right now, but no, never previously. I feel like they've learned a lot and this might just be my own color of my crystal, but I feel like they've learned a lot from OmniFocus and things, maybe even to some extent, remember the milk, but it's in, it's, it's, it's not the prettiest app in the world. It's not ugly. It's not super gorgeous. It could use more key commands, but it is right in the pocket for me for lightweight project management in a way that makes sense to me. And it works on something like 11 different platforms. It's got a web app. It's got a Mac app. It's got Android app. It's got iOS, everything. It's It works everywhere. The sync has been flawless for me so far. And the reason I mention it here is I'm not saying this for, for everybody. I'm not saying switch to this, but I'm intrigued by the idea of an app that's not as robust and feature rich as OmniFocus, but is also not as forcibly simple as task paper, which is again, like a mark, markdown-ish way of just formatting text uh, right. tasks in a text file. What I like about this, what I, what I like for how what this has done to the way I think about the stuff that I do is anytime I get up to the point where I'm thinking I should go make a new c- category or I should figure out if this is a thing I can do with TickTick, I stop myself and I ask myself the same question I always ask, are you going to do this or are you going to not do this? Like in the inbox versus in the do by Friday category versus in the uh, all this stuff, like stop. As John Roderick says, leave it. Like, don't get wound up in that stuff. Put it on the list, and you're either going to do it or you're not. It's got uh, natural language date parsing, which is great. So you can say, take out the trash uh, every Monday at 6 o'clock, and that works. And it has a pretty canny setup for what you would normally do with perspectives in OmniFocus. So it's got a thing called Inbox, where you haven't really defined what it is yet. It's got something called Today, Tomorrow, Tomorrow. let me just pull it up and see here. One thing I really like about this, though, is that you can do stuff like, say, don't show me this list unless it has something on it. So there's an area called all, today, tomorrow, next seven days, calendar. You can have calendar integration if you want, and inbox. And there's a neat little thing where you can say, only show me tomorrow if there's stuff for tomorrow. And then, but now, now it does have flexibility. It has lists, which are basically like projects and OmniFocus. It's got tags, which are just little hashtags. You you use that hashtag and it automatically gets added. And then it has like Booleans. So you can have this thing called custom where you can go and create um, using pretty sophisticated search stuff. I'm not using that stuff heavily. Mainly I just really like this because I wanted a way to like visual, to like visualize what I have to do over the next seven days all in one place and it's been a real interesting exercise. I paid for the premium for a year. Uh, you can add tasks with Siri. Um, it's got it's got lots lots to recommend it. But I just want to toss it out to people. I, I figure some of your audience is interested in productivity and task management stuff. Uh, worth at least downloading and having a look at. Yeah, I I just made a web based account and it's got a uh, it's got a Google extension, like a Chrome. Sorry, a Chrome extension. 
So yeah. you can, um, it's got a service. So if you're on Safari, you can, you know, right click and add it, whatever it is you, you've selected, sort of like the, whatever it's called, the Task Taskimator 2000 and OmniFocus. It just works in lots of different ways, lots of different places. And I, I like the challenge of trying to find a place somewhere between the utter simplicity of a text file and the the amazing, um, profound power of OmniFocus for something that just says, look, dummy, just write down the stuff you know you have to do and put yeah. it all in this thing. Yeah, no, I can dig it. I'm kind of weirdly in the same place you are. Like, I still have... Um, tasks in OmniFocus. And honestly, it's the best system I have for if I have an email that needs an action, but I don't want to do it right now, but I also don't want to leave it unread. I, you know, send it to OmniFocus. It's the most reliable place to send it. Mm -hmm. But for my daily planning, I use task paper. So are you are you using the app on Mac? The task paper app? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just real simple. It's the lightest conceivable architecture for being able to like and you know the thing is the truth is that I think that app may be more powerful than most people realize. Oh yeah, the the, search the stuff you can do is searching and, and save searches is amazing. Yeah, it's intense yeah. actually. Um I've actually spent, I've lost entire days <laughs> tweaking task paper, which is kind of counterintuitive. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> but yeah, no, uh but yeah, no, this is this is cool. I've uh, I've been looking at other like Taskade. I also I like Meister Task, which is more of like a. You Trello. talked about that. I think the last time we talked. Really? Yeah, yeah like yeah. I'm like because of the uh, the API for Meister Task. When I sign on a new freelance client, I can I can automatically create a quick document and a Meister Task project for oh, them that's cool. to see. Uh, progress to add comments to also see like how much time I've put into each thing. So when they get the invoice, it's less of a shock. They mm-hmm. already they already know, you know, like this got done and here's how long it took. You'll see the invoice in a week. But um, so, yeah, Meister Task has been great, but I use it more for like progress reports than I do for my personal daily task list. Right. I, I mean, just the one piece of advice that, you know, anybody can take with a grain of salt is to be careful that you not turn what should be a pocket into an attic. Right. I mean, just follow the analogy. I mean, there there's like things you got to do today. There's things you got to do tomorrow. There's things that have to be done. It does not benefit you to take every brain dump and turn it into a list of stuff you'll never do because that has a psychic effect on you. It yes. really sh- it should feel like everything in there matters and that some part of your life will die if that's not taken care of. And if you can't reach that bar, it belongs somewhere else. It belongs in a text file where you're ruminating about what you want to do. But like, th- I feel like everything in here should be stuff I can look at and say, yeah, this has urgency to be done today or like this has importance to be done this week. Like, Getting to that point can be a really refreshing feeling. And you feel less overwhelmed. You feel like, if I have too much stuff in here, well, I need to do less stuff. Like, you know, I'm not the Iron Giant. Agreed. What do you got? All right. So my first pick is going to be, okay, and this is the product of um, targeted advertising to me on Instagram. Hmm. Um, it, I, I saw it. I bought it. I love it. Uh, it's the, I don't know how to say it. I'm going to say Mizen Chef's Knife. M-I-S-E-N. Ooh. Ooh, I love a knife. The reviews on this, it with uh, Good Eats, it got 
best overall chef's knife and best budget buy. Whoa. For $65, this thing is a work of art. And if you, it's designed, very much designed for the like pinch grip. Right. Where you kind of grab it over the top. Right. And I, it's, I have never been faster at chopping up an onion, at finely dicing a carrot than I have with this knife. I am in love with it. It's not on Amazon. That's interesting. I believe it's only available through Mizen.com. Mizen.co. Sure. Yep. Mizen.co. Oh, look at that. Ooh, Essentials Knife Kit. I need that. It's got a blue handle. Cool. (laughs) The blue handle is gorgeous, too. It really sticks out in my knife block. I got to learn how to hone and sharpen. Yeah. um, That. It's a, it, there's an art to that for sure. Um, there are also some pretty good, uh, not for full sharpening where you want to like actually sit down with a whetstone, but there, I, I was told there's a distinction. Max says, what I really want is not sharpening, but honing that I right. need to just put an edge back on it. Yeah. And for that, there's some really great little tools. Uh, I have one in my knife drawer. It was, it was a pick a long time ago. I don't remember what brand it was, but oh. I can just like three passes through this tool that sets the angles <gasps> no automatically. Kidding. Oh, if you find that, let me know. Oh, I'll, yeah, I'll send you a link um, and throw it in the show notes. So, good, good. Um, but yeah, that that for honing is ideal, and it even has a little ceramic sharpener on it. Uh, if you just need to grind down a ceramic, I'm just like it's so worried about ruining it. You know what I mean? I have given up on ceramic knives. Oh no no no! Oh God no no no! But I've got some pretty nice knives, and I got a really nice one for Christmas from my family. And I just worry I'm so scared to like to like ruin it, you know, oh. with like, when I was a kid, we had one of those can openers with a built-in knife sharpener. Yeah. <laughs> just chew through your knife. <laughs> yeah. This is, this isn't like that. This is, these are, they're just basically two tiny whetstones in, and the one that I use has four different angles, but they're in V's. So you can hmm. just set the blade in, pull it through gently. And you basically like the tiny sharp edge on any knife, through the course of usage, it starts to bend this way and that. And it's not really like a visible bend, mm-hmm. but that's where the edge goes. So just oh. running it through this just basically pushes everything back into a straight line. Ooh, that sounds satisfying. It is wonderful. That's a good pick. You're welcome. What you got? Uh, I recommended this on Back to Work recently. Uh, but uh, I want to recommend it again while I'm typing for, looking for a book, book, book. It is a book that I first got in college uh, that had a big influence on me um, called Rules of Thumb, colon, A Life Manual. And it's by a guy named Tom Parker. And it's pretty much exactly what you would think it is. It's a bunch of little short, like one to three sentence tips from people who know about some area of expertise. And uh, I'll read you a few just to give you a uh, just to give you an idea here. Let's see. Um, regarding advertising, a well-designed ad will look just as good upside down. It's an interesting idea. Oh, I love this one. If you're speeding on a rural interstate, follow young men in pickups with local plates because they know where the speed traps are. <laughs> a stray dog who is afraid of people will trust the people associated with the dog it plays with. I don't know if that's true. You can tell me if that's true or not. Uh, Two rounds of proofreading. Catch 98% of the errors in a book. 
For every magazine, newspaper, or catalog you subscribe to, you will receive at least five pieces of junk mail per month. In Japan, the first person to raise his or her, her voice loses the argument. Uh, and it's just full of these. And I, I got this from my daughter. She loved it. It's just... <laughs> I love this one. The worse the men's room smells, the easier it will be to sell lottery tickets at the bar. <laughs> that's something that's some straight out of like Freakonomics. I know. Bump, bump, bump. <laughs> that, that one for some reason really lands for me. <laughs> I can't. What, uh, there was a movie that I loved where they talk about the rule of thumb, meaning... Uh, it had to do with wife beating. You couldn't use a, th a stick thicker than your right. thumb. Right. Is that... That's, that's, I don't know if that... That might be apocryphal, but that's what I... I have heard it said that that's the case. I'm not I sure I love that's stuff true, like this. Though. I love those David Pogue books. My daughter loves those. Uh, I just... I'm crazy about these. So yeah, Rules of Thumb, A Life Manual by Tom Parker. Uh, updated many times over the years. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun. You can get it on Kindle. You can get it in a, a paperback. And... Uh, it's a really good book. Both for less than $10. So Yep, yep, yep. It's a good deal. I'll be checking that if out. If you look very closely in the last maybe fifth of the book, you might see a tip that came from 43folders.com in there. For real. That was a weird feeling. I was like, hey, if they, they still make this book that I bought in college and loved. <laughs> and then I'm reading along. It says something about uh, you know your email. And it says, if you get an email from someone and more than one time makes you go, ugh, it's time to create a filter. And I was like, hmm, that's actually pretty smart. It says Merlin Man, 43folders.com. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> so, hey, yeah. Your 43 folders days made a huge impact on a lot of people. It's kind of... Yeah, that's what they say. I would say that's kind of why you are where you are today as a man who does Is that a what bunch of say? podcasts. Yeah, well, you know, I got to pick up my kid and take care of the cat. Right. The cat's really a monstrosity. <laughs> What's I, your next one? I know we're, I know we're running long because I talked a lot about my theories about the tech ecosystem. I don't what care. is your second pick, Brett? Um, do you trust this computer? Do you trust this computer? It's a, a movie that is available now to purchase or rent. Um, oh, cool. You can find it at do you trust this computer .tv. Um, It is about the future of AI and oh, wow. Um, basically the end of humanity via artificial Yay. intelligence. Um, ever since... I hope it's got an Elon Musk appearance. I, I Ever since Musk started talking about this, that was when I really perked up and paid attention to the idea that there are serious dangers to our current exploration into artificial intelligence that teaches itself. And, oh, 100%. Uh, and so this 90-minute movie is actually a, a really kind of non-paranoid look at i mean it's not tinfoil hat stuff no no i i get what you're saying it's a good documentary on the state of ai the future of ai and honestly the you know it's it's not mexicans taking american jobs mm -hmm. it's robots and it's going to be artificial intelligence and right. to a point where <laughs> the middle class disappears Oh, and so much quicker than we think. I don't know if you're a fan of uh, CGP Grey, but he's had a couple really good videos about this that really opened my eyes. Who is um, CGP Grey? Um, he does those. Have you ever, okay, his most famous video, his first video and most famous video was years ago, a wonderful, fast-paced YouTube video about the difference between UK, England, Great Britain, 
Are you familiar with this? Just go look no, up CGP. No, I, I will find this. He's a, he's a famous internet guy, and he's a real interesting fella. He has one, uh, I'll put it in notes or in the, the dingus here. Um, that one is called How Machines Learn, and it's a more one, very recent one of his. But he also has um, one that I really, really recommend. I watch frequently, and it's very depressing, but very good. And it's called Humans Need Not Apply on YouTube. And there's that. Cool. And it's a, it's a longer video, and it's really it really is about, like, no, you don't really understand what we're getting into. Like, some of the very largest areas of American employment are just going to disappear very, very soon. Right. It's not a good time to become a truck driver. Which doesn't just lead to unemployment. It leads to riots and... Civil war, yeah. Class war, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and he talks, he goes all the way, you know, hey, just don't think because because you're a podcaster and a blogger, you're going to be, you know, immune. Um, that there's, you know, things like in medicine. That One of the big surprises may be how much of medicine becomes controlled by... I don't, call, I don't know. I don't want to call it the wrong thing. It's not robots. It's not AI. It's not deep learning. What? But some combination of things that are smarter than you are. Just things that are tech. able to attack. I mean, but take something like, you know, the ability to quickly aggregate information about some kind of an epidemic where we, we're mm -hmm. going to be able to have a much better idea. If we have the will to actually make these problems go away, the data will be there to do some amazing things. But it's also the data is also going to be there to do some, I mean, there's just whole big swaths of this country that are going to be in a rough way. Yeah. You know, you think about how there used to be a, like where my wife is from in Rhode Island, they used to like build, make a lot of suitcases. Like you go down to the South and you've got stuff like, um, you used to have textiles, towels, um, furniture, right? Building furniture used to be a big thing in like the Carolinas. And now that that's just all gone. Now everybody, if you get a job, it's going to be at Walmart. And like, right. that's without saying whether that's good, bad or indifferent, like it is, it's, it's really interesting to at least know what will be happening. There is actually a surgeon in the movie. Do you trust this computer who talks about what percentage of his surgeries are now performed entirely robotically? No kidding. And he talks about, he said, he says, yeah, it's of concern to me. I don't even remember how to do these surgeries anymore. Wow. So, wow, wow, wow. Yeah, it affects everybody. Can you just buy this somewhere? Yeah, uh, through through the website, you have the option to buy. I paid for the, for the full ownership, and then I downloaded it. Uh, I think it was like six bucks. Okay, cool. Uh, it's hard to see. So what was the address for... I see. Do you trust this computer.org? What was the one you were at? 8.hx? Uh, VHX.tv. Oh, I've bought stuff through them. They have an Apple TV app. Do they really? I think, I think huh. this is how I bought uh, the Kirby. What's his name? The, the, this is everything's a remix. I think he does his stuff through VHX. Yeah, that would make sense. All right, I will buy this. Good so, pick. Yeah. All right. What's your third? Oh geez, here I got. Uh, mm, uh, 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 excited about Google Sheets. Love my Instant Pot. I'm gonna suggest a podcast. You're talking about Instant Pot. I I just got an Instant Pot, but we can we can do a podcast. All I'm gonna say like. to you is this: Go ahead if you're enjoying it. Go ahead now. Go on to Amazon. Please buy some new seals for it. Yeah. Because boy, does it get stinky. Yeah, that's what I've heard. And like, oh buy my god, separate, I tried. I tried separate everything. sweet and savory seals. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, because mine smells like an Indian restaurant and not in a good way. <laughs> but you can get them like three bucks each. And so like, yeah, and I've also started this new regimen where when I'm done cooking, I, I don't know if this will help in the long run. 
I blast it with two cups. I do I put it on steam yeah. for like four minutes with two cups of vinegar. And I'm going to see if that makes a difference. Yeah, I'd be curious it's, if it does. Um, I've probably, God, if I've recommended this here, I'm going to feel stupid. But as long as we're talking about all this brain stuff, um, a podcast called You Are Not So Smart. Have we talked about that? I have never heard of it before, so probably not. Excellent. You Are Not So Smart, a celebration of self-delusion. Let's see. Does he have an about? I can give you the pitch. I would tell you my version of what this is. Uh, you Are Not So Smart is a blog I started to explore self-delusion. Like lots of people, I used to forward sensational news stories without skepticism and think I was just a, was a smarty pants just because I had done a little internet research. Here's what you need to know. The guy's name is David McRaney, and I never remember his name. You Are Not So Smart, each week he talks about mostly things like cognitive biases or things like physiological things in our body. If you like stuff like Freakonomics, you're going to love this because then he talks to an expert about it. And basically how we end up thinking the things we do the way that we do and puzzling out why it is that we don't get better and not just become some, becoming some kind of logical robot, but how we kind of push ourselves further and further away from reality just by the nature of how our mind works. And by becoming more aware of that, you can become a slightly more savvy and smart person. And uh, it's almost always just a, a, a super interesting uh, thing for me. And I feel like I learn a little bit. Awesome. There I, uh, it is. You are not so smart. Driving driving to Chicago is the first time in a while that I've had time to listen to podcasts. And I realized that my podcast selection is a is a bit uh sparse these days. So Is that right? Yeah, because I, I don't I don't explore options a lot given I don't commute anywhere ever. Right. I, I never I'm never in my car for more than fifteen minutes. Day to day, I mean. God, I listen to so many, so, so many. I'm a little bit jealous. Like it, during that, I listened to pretty much nothing but podcasts on the four and a half hour drive to Chicago and then four and a half back. And I, yeah, no, I realized I learn a lot. I enjoy, like if I'm not learning, I'm enjoying, I'm laughing, I'm having fun. <laughs> Podcasts are my friends now. They serve <laughs> instead of friends. I don't I don't have the opportunity to know actual people anymore, but being on podcasts and listening to podcasts, I'm like, hey, I almost feel like I know people now. It's almost like being social. Well, it's not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. That sounds great. Yeah, you got one more? I do. So I I I've mentioned multiple times I went to Comic Con. This is the second Comic Con I have ever been to in my life. I went to the C two E two, and previously had only been to Wizard World, also in Chicago. Um, I there are I I'm learning a lot about comics. I went the first time because I thought uh, actually I went the first time because I wanted to hang out with Dave and Dan, and mm -hmm. it was something they were they were That's into. A high quality group. It, it really is, and. Uh, and I, it turned out I really enjoyed it. I loved seeing the cosplay. I loved the passion. I loved how let's just love the like adults with enthusiasm, right? Isn't it, it kind of refreshing? And even in this huge crowd of people, everyone kind of knew they were there for the same reason. People weren't pissed off. And this <laughs> one, like C two E two, had to be twice as many people. Like Saturday on the show floor, it was huge. Like Sorry, McCormick floor. Alexis, Alexis, stop. Ah. <laughs> okay. So like it was, there were so many people on the show floor. It was shoulder to shoulder and nobody was getting pissed. Wow. And 
like I the camaraderie that I felt there. Everyone's there for different reasons. Everyone has different passions. I learned this time that if uh, if someone has a cosplay that you don't recognize, it's okay to ask them because they would be more than happy yeah. to tell you where it's from, what it means to them. Like that's why they're that's why they do it. And like, you didn't find it overwhelming though. Oh, absolutely. I had to take frequent <laughs> breaks. It turns out there's a whole quiet room with enforced silence in the north north oh. wing of this uh, convention center. Like the, the introvert's lounge? <laughs> yeah, basically. And you know most of the people there are introverts. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, it was, it was huge. It was overwhelming. I had a friend who came and we were going to meet up, but she made it about 10 minutes before she had to go back to her hotel with, like, anxiety. Which is, yeah. you know, it's it's an affliction she has. I'm most I'm also, mostly very extroverted up until the point where something triggers and kicks off. I'm like, that's it, I'm done, gotta go. Like yeah. it has to stop now. I must but, get out of. Like when we went to the gun protest in San Francisco, uh, it was like we were right in the middle. We got there real early, and then like just the process of trying to get out of the crowd at a yeah. certain point, I started to get really jittery. Right, and almost panicky. Um, yes, precisely. At what at what age did you figure out where your limit was? How did you, when did you learn to recognize that point where you? Had I to could not. Just go? I I could not get enough attention through college and into young adulthood. It was after I got some small amount of recognition with the computer stuff that uh, I started to realize that I'm not as extroverted as I thought. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not about to call myself an introvert, but I do have a, a limit to when I need to just go kind of like shut down for a little while and I, I can fake it for a real long time, uh, not fake it, but I can participate for a real long time. But my, my friend, John Roderick, who weirdly enough considers himself an introvert <laughs> says one way to think about introversion versus extroversion is how much energy do you arrive? How much energy do you derive from direct proximity to other people right. versus how much energy do you derive from being alone? That is the and definition. I, I'm a pretty good split where I derive a huge amount of energy for about an hour, hour and a half, and then I need a little break. You could be for, considered for sure. ambivert. Um, <laughs> that's right. I live in the world of ambiversion. That's a, it's a thing. <laughs> what? Ambivert. Really? Yeah. There's introvert, extrovert, and ambivert. It's a very I clear learned so much category. From you. That's good. Oh, my God. You just changed my game. You did gave you, me this nice movie and now ambivert. Did you know that the term ambivalence also does <gasps> not mean not caring? Thing. Is it like like uninterested versus disinterested? No. Ambivalence means the ability to carry two often opposing thoughts at the same oh, time. Oh, nice distinction. I love that. So I do it not doesn't know that. mean you don't care. It just means you have two different feelings well, about it. Well, that's why I say one of one of I have a handful of things where I'm a grammar dork. And I, I don't I don't like it when people say they are disinterested when they mean they're uninterested. Sure. Dis- Disinterested means you don't have a stake in it. Uninterested means you don't care. <laughs> and apathetic just means you've you've tried to care for too long and Whatever. you've given up. I'm an ambivert, man, and I'm switching. <laughs> I'm in switch mode. <laughs> so anyway, Anyways. the actual pick from all of this oh. is at, at both of the comic cons I've been to, and I do intend to go to more, the Artist Alley has been my main draw. I've gone to a ton of talks and walked the entire floor, but there's always a section. I shouldn't say always. There, there always for me has been a section called Artist Alley, uh, like a block of vendors that are independent artists. 
And oh, kind of like Tiny Town at Macworld, like the people with like just like a little table. Yeah. Yeah, you know I mean, like when you go to a computer thing and it's not a big, it's not a huge, like, sh- like giant apple sized booth. It could just be somebody at a table. Like that's right. often the most interesting stuff. Right. Well, and for me, this is because I, I still, I don't nerd out about big comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy Marvel movies, but I, yeah. I'm not invested in that multiverse. Um, so if I want to get into independent comics, it's, it's really difficult unless I'm basically given a menu and that's what artist alley is. I can walk through, I can look at art, uh, and decide if I want to approach a booth. If I approach a booth, I can very quickly, like just start asking questions. What are your characters? What are the stories? Like, what do you do? And wow. And it's been a great way to discover stuff. And so here's my pick. One of the booths that I did approach was, uh, Let's see, Native Realities, and it is a, uh, a it's a Native American uh, comics written by. Oh wow! Look at that, Native Americans, and I picked up an anthology. It's uh, Dear Woman, and it's based. There's this uh, legend uh, mythology in Native American uh, lore about this. Dear woman, it's a combination between like a siren and a succubus, uh, lures men in and then kills them. And oh, cool. it's kind of a cautionary tale about, you know, promiscuity. And I- I'm not even sure what <laughs> it feels like. There are some very sexist overtones to the uh, legend itself. But mm-hmm. what this anthology is, is it's all uh, comics and writing by native american women because in the native american community there's uh like even 30 percent higher i think it's one in three uh native american women are assaulted right yeah i've heard that too and so you know not drastically higher than the rest of the world but higher and it's not talked about uh everything from this like colonialism fetish to uh internal strife and this book is it's heavy it's uh beautiful i'm i'm in love with it <laughs> and when i bought it uh from uh maria the wolf is the name the artist goes by the anthology has a bunch of different authors but mm-hmm. um she did a i did not pay extra but she did a whole like commissioned drawing on the inside flap that is oh that's beautiful. so cool signed it wolf 18 um yeah uh, so you can buy the anthology online. You can also get like uh, a mini version of it. Um, money proceeds, a percentage of proceeds from every sale goes to the Arming Sisters, which is a self-defense program for oh, uh, look at that Native Americans, uh, especially on the reservation. And that's like for me, that's a viewport into a world that I know very, very little. Right, about. and that's what fascinated me. And right. after that, I found myself wandering Artist Alley specifically looking for female comic book artists. And I've realized that's kind of like my interest has always been sparked by uh, voices that don't fit in what I've always thought was the traditional comic world. Right, 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 right. So I've, yeah. There's a lot of good stories to be told. Yeah. And, uh, oh man, we went to a Dark Horse 
like writers talk and there oh, I'm trying to remember Hench Girl. <laughs> Have you seen hmm. Hench Girl? No, I don't know that. It started off as like it was this woman's and I, I'm a, sorry, I don't remember the artist's name right now, but I will link it. Um started off as kind of like she intended it to be like a one a one comic idea, but it's turned into a whole series um about a girl who ends up being a henchman just because it's convenient and it's what she's good at and it's kind of a uh, metaphorical look at working a job that pays even though it's oh not interesting where you be. right 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 <laughs> it was her it's take also, on you also her you job, discovered yeah. something great i mean you you've already illuminated what's you know so nice to find like voices interesting voices you wouldn't have heard about but like it sometimes it takes restricting yourself like that it isn't about going to the biggest comic shop in the world or like learning what the most popular thing is but it's amazing how often even as a consumer you get more creative when you have fewer options and you just you get to become way more discerning about a small set of right. stuff and learn it to helps, care about something it helps a ton with the overwhelm Yes. If you have somewhat of a mission. That's such an interesting way to look at it. If you're not just here to, hey, show me what's cool when there are a million yeah, people. Right. Yeah, for sure. How do, I, how do I get started with Iron Man? Well, <laughs> lots of places. <laughs> have you ever seen Angelarium? No. Dan Peterson introduced me to this. I ended up buying three prints from this guy this weekend, but or last weekend. Um, it's a guy who at one point realized that throughout multiple... Um, histories, mythologies, there are over a thousand named angels. And he began doing art, artist depiction of the different angels. Oh, wow. And it is, yeah, I'll link that one too. But that was my other big, uh, big love from this. Also, do you remember Commander Mark in the Secret City? No. Uh, there was I think this, I don't know much about comics. No, this was, this was a TV show in the 80s. Um, I like, I grew up on this. I belonged to the secret city club. I had all the, like you pay your money and they send you a pad and markers and a bunch of like books and stuff. But commander Mark was just this guy on public television that taught you how to draw cartoons. Oh, that's cool. He was awesome. Like, <laughs> okay. So I, I have a, a deep seated love for this guy. And then I was at wizard world and I ran into, uh, I, I turned around a corner and there was commander Mark from no the secret kidding. city and he was much, he's heavier and older, but sure. it, it was obviously still him. And I went up there. I'm like, commander Mark. <laughs> and That's he so up, exciting. And he, you know, he has his booth. He does commissioned artwork and everything. He still teaches. I mean, if, Half the people at Pixar grew up watching Commander Mark. Sure. So, yeah, no, it was huge. And he actually did it at uh, C2E2. He did a 30-minute, what looked like it was going to be basically a secret city in the family center. I didn't attend it. But, yeah, no, this has been fun. I'm going to keep going to these. Good for you. I mean, content-wise, that's exciting, but also good for you for getting out there. I mean, that's, you know... (laughs) My introvert I'm serious. I'm serious. It, it takes it takes energy. It really does. I we so after this uh, this last one, we I I have really begun planning. My girlfriend and I thinking about how we can make it through a three day con without burning out before the third day. Oh my god! A lot of water and hand washing, please. <laughs> 
a lot of water hand washing and maybe some breaks from the floor and not feeling like it's urgent that we spend as much time as possible. Another one, a good tip, a good tip I thought uh, from Max Temkin is, is uh, eat somewhere off site. Oh, that would have been up because there was no good food on site. Well, you got all those germs and stuff. Sure. I paid $14 for a bottle of water and a really bad turkey sandwich that was bizarrely sweet. Ooh, no, 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 no. Every part of it was full of sugar. And then nowhere to sit. So I had to eat all that standing up by a pillar. Well, that's joyless. Absolutely. It was the opposite of joyful. Um, not just joyless, but painful. Getting outside and getting into the air. You'll, you'll, it'll be more fun when you come back. It's less, it'll yeah. be less over. Well, and, and you feel like, oh, I'm in this this ecosystem. I need to, I need to stay here. <laughs> and then you try three different restaurants over the two days and realize they are all selling the exact same thing. Oh, there's, there's, there's. Uh, I mean, turkey panini is not an option. I mean, that's <laughs> that's more like a, like a safety net. That's like gas station food. Panini would have been an upgrade. This was a, what do they call it? Pretzel roll. Oh, fancy. Huh. Pretzels with sugar. Remind me, um, I feel so bad. Dave's uh, wonderful lady friend. Jesse. Jesse. Who was, who who I believe might have been telling me I was the the onion skin. She, (gasps) was she dressed up as Patty Jenkins? Did you see this? Oh my God, yes. I only heard about this secondhand because I I loved, when I visited with the one passport people on a trip one time, I really enjoyed me. She's one of my favorite people. She is is amazing. And yes. She's so fun. She cosplayed as Patty Jenkins, the director of the Wonder Woman movie. That is so cool. And every Wonder Woman she saw, she (laughs) ran up and got a, a picture with them. As their director. Right? Oh my god, I, that's so ex- that is she, so cool. She posts all of these to Instagram and Twitter, or at least Twitter. Patty Jenkins herself on Twitter responds, says, <gasps> "You are my hero. This is my favorite thing. Me and the entire Wonder oh Woman my crew. God, that's so exciting. Have been delighted and laughing about this all morning." And now it's starting to show up. It was a Twitter moment yesterday. I imagine oh. it's going to take off on like BuzzFeed and whatnot because it was brilliant and actually has, it changes the way like people look at cosplay. It's not just your favorite comic book oh, hero. That is so funny. Look at that. And she's got the little clapper. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That is so cool. Yeah. Where'd you just find it? Uh, Patty Jenkins cosplay. So yeah. that's my history now. <laughs> Sorry, Jesse. <laughs> no, but it, it was brilliant. And with with not a ton of effort, she pulled off actually looking a lot like Patty Jenkins. I think the scarf. The scarf, the jeans, Glasses, the brown. She had the, a brown, wi- yeah. brown hair wig. Oh, this is so fun. Yeah, no, it was brilliant. It was one well, of my favorite Well, good for you. I, I encourage you to do this. I think this is this is an exciting development for you, Brett. Well, thank you. I also went to four talks on cosplay, on how to sew and uh, materials and foam props. And I intend to come up eventually with something I consider worth the time. And for at least one day you're of gonna, Comic-Con. You're going to think on it for a while, though, huh? I have a list going. Yeah. Huh. We'll get there. What do you usually <laughs> cosplay as, Marlon? <laughs> uh, middle-aged man with anxiety. <laughs> Yay. 
So did you know that, oh, what's her name? From uh, the, the, the movie um, Quiet Place, the actress. Oh, yeah, Emily Blunt. Blunt. I love her. She was great in that uh, Edge of Tomorrow movie. She's did, great in everything. Did you know she had a debilitating <laughs> stutter as a kid? I did not. And the thing that that she could always get past it if she did a voice, if she was someone else, if she was acting. Oh, the human mind is so weird. Well, right. like Mel Tillis was singing when we were kids. He so, had a terrible stutter unless he was singing. Right. So I feel like for people with anxiety, for myself uh, with just a, a shyness and introversion. So I could come out as like sexy big bird. Sure. Like some kind of cosplay. I I want to try it and see if it actually takes me away from all of my own God, layers of an onion. Look at you. <laughs> we'll get there. All right. Yep. So anyway, Merlin, thank you for, I think. Thank you. I'm sorry I talk so much, but uh, it's always such a delight to visit with you. You you still, you're present in all of my little worlds and all my little computer machines. And I'm very grateful for what you do. I, I appreciate that. Same is true. Absolutely. Thank um, you. Do you want to list anywhere people should be looking for you these days? No. No. I, I will then. Do okay. by Friday. Oh, that's a good podcast. People should listen to that. Really great. Starring um, Alex Cox. Yes. Uh, didn't you have one with that Roderick guy? Oh, yeah. Roderick yeah, I on the lines. That's I mean, still if going. you really care, you, no one cares, Brett, but you can go to MerlinMan.com. There's links there for There you go. Podcasts. Thank you. That but was uh, all Dubai you is a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody cares. But okay. if they do, that's where they can go. This is about you and me. This is about you and me making sure we keep our relationship healthy. We keep in touch. We're not going to be on Facebook poking each other, giving each other a freaking popcorn. We, we sit down like gentlemen once a year. We have a conversation. We catch up. I, I'm into it. I like it. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Always a pleasure. I'm Brett Terpstra, TT Scoff everywhere, brettterpstra.com. And you can find Systematic on Twitter at Systemcast. So check that out. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks again, Merlin. And we'll see everybody in a week. Woo!